Greetings, listeners. You have found The Horror Returns. For all of you who delight in dread, fantasize about fear, and glorify gore, welcome home. This is the podcast that proves that the horror never ends. Each episode, we seek out and review a brand new horror movie or book. Then we go back and find a classic work with similar themes. We're looking at both similarities and differences. Our goal is to explore how our perceptions of fear remain the same from generation to generation, uh, but also to point out how the presentation can change based on the social and political climate of the times. Although we always do our best to avoid spoiling the new release, sometimes it may be necessary to talk about certain details in the course of our conversation. We generally assume you guys have already seen the classic film, so there will often be spoilers when discussing anything that's uh, been out for at least a year. The other thing we may do from time to time is use a few four-letter words. This is a horror podcast, and horror movies tend to be R-rated, so you can pretty much expect us to be too. I'm Lance, and with me as always are my co-hosts Brian and Philip. What is happening, y'all? What is going on? What's up, what's up? All right, well, let's start with a discussion of some of the highlights of what we've checked out this week. Uh, Brian, uh, why don't you go first this time, man? Okay, I didn't uh, really watch any TV, but uh, I was going through, uh, I got uh, quite a movie collection going, so I was going through my movies, and I got on this 80s action movie kick. As as um, one will tend to do from time to time, for sure. So... The movies I watched was Commando. Oh, man. Schwarzenegger. Yes. Yeah. Cobra. Oh. Stallone. Stallone. All right, cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Tango and Cash. Kurt Russell. And I finished it off with uh, Lethal Weapon. Oh, Mel Gibson. Whatever happened to poor Mel? He turned into a crazy racist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his name just doesn't seem to carry the same weight as the other two guys, no, does it? No, not quite. <laughs> and uh, just to mention, have you guys uh, checked out the trailer to this uh, Lethal Weapon TV show? No, I had no, I had no idea interest. it was even there. No interest. Oh, my gosh. No interest. Move on. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, uh, <laughs> it, no, oh, no, definitely move on. It, it looks horrible. <laughs> the weapon is lethal, man. And the Danny Glover character they got... Damon Wayans to play that character. Junior or senior? What? Senior. Wow. Damon Wayans. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the this show looks like garbage. So everybody watch the original movie. Watch any of the movies. Right. But uh that's uh pretty much um you know, these uh I think these were the best action movies were from the eighties, so mm-hmm. you chose wisely. Thank Man. you. I I also win uh, action movies with the stuff that I watched. I saw um, Hardcore Henry. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. Man, I've been wanting to see that. It was really cool. I didn't see it in the theaters or anything, so I I, I imagine it would have been a lot cooler then. But Mm -hmm. it's kind of like crazy awesome stunts in an action movie with a GoPro GoPro strapped to his head. Right. It was... It's exactly like it sounds, you know? It's... it, it may not be for everybody, but it was super fun to watch. I mean, you know, the plot sure. line had some holes and all that stuff, but yeah, it was pretty kick-ass. Awesome. 
Yeah, I've definitely been wanting to see that one. Yeah, and then uh, 13 Hours was my other one. That was the... Okay. Uh, I've heard some good and some bad. The Benghazi story with the with the dude from The Office in it. I really liked it, but as we discussed on the on the last show, I'm ex-military, so right? a, a lot of that stuff kind of hit home to me because I've been in some of those situations, not where everybody's shooting at me and, you know, trying to infiltrate the base or whatever so it was pretty hardcore then huh yeah it was pretty hardcore man it was uh uh i mean they they had a, a couple of different situations and and then and basically they had no support from uh the americans it, they were kind of stuck out there on their own and we've definitely heard that super story before. hostile environment yeah right and i mean there's obviously some political implications to that too but sure uh, uh, but no, it was it was it was a really good movie, man. It was it was super serious and hardcore action, mm-hmm. but uh, it was worth watching. Absolutely awesome. Is this a Michael Bay movie? I think it is. Okay. Did he direct it, or did he just uh, have a producing credit? That's what I'm not sure about because I did hear he was involved, but I hadn't uh, specifically heard that he had directed it. Brian, do you know the uh, the answer to that one? Uh, no, I just heard he was involved in it. Right. Because I heard he he has a pretty good relationship with the uh, United States military. No kidding. Yeah, that's he okay. has access to stuff that he can use for his movies and. Yeah, yeah, directed by Michael Bay. He did. Okay. It was and John John Krasinski is the uh, is the main dude in it. And, right uh, from the office. Man, as dude, you said. that was. It was a really killer movie. So he man. wasn't just cutting up doing one-liners every other. No, 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 no. It was a bunch of uh, they, they, it was, they were like CIA special forces, you know. Right. So do they you, were, do, they were, they were all kind of ex-military. Do you but, see him being an action star? Um, in the future, maybe not, but he definitely pulled it off in this one. So not too bad, huh? No, like better than I thought it was going to be. So do you have a um? Like any kind of a history of of liking Michael Bay movies or disliking them as is as is popular or fashionable to do? No, I really I've I've always really liked Michael Bay stuff. I've, I've liked know? a couple of his movies. I liked the first Independence Day quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean, is he? Did he do the second one too? Yeah, I believe he did. Right, Brian? Uh, I think uh, I think someone else did that one. We're gonna look it up. Was it Roland, Roland Emmerich? Fuck Wasn't that? Okay, so okay. Well, I'm way off then, guys. Transformers, um, Thirteen Hours, Transformers, Pain and Gain. Oh, Pain and Gain was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, a bunch of Transformers. Lots of Transformers. The stuff, Island huh? that was good. Uh, the I like the the Bad Boy series. Oh yeah, Bad Boy. Ah, uh, okay, that was him. All right. Shit, no, he's man, got he's got a, he's then. got a lot of really good stuff, man. I love Michael Bay. He mm-hmm. he, you if his name is attached to it, you can pretty much expect it to be worth watching. At least a roller coaster ride, if nothing else. Yeah, huh? yeah. Hey, look, he's got a short called Vanilla Ice. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's Just, how he got started, huh? I thought we'd throw that oh, in there. All right, cool. <laughs> hey, everybody's got to start somewhere, man. Right. You know, for me, it was uh, cleaning toilets. You know, for him, it was Vanilla Ice. I love you, there right? You go. Uh, Who's to say who was worse off, right? Go ninja, yeah. go ninja, go. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. I uh, didn't really watch too much uh, this week that we hadn't already talked about, but we do. Uh, of course, we have a very special guest on the show tonight. Uh, an interview with Sam Stone. Wait, 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 wait. Another Michael Bay, Playboy, Carrie Kendall, September 1990, Video Centerfold. 
I'm sorry. I had to put that in there. All, All right, right uh, Sam, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll forgive us for, the, for I'm that. I'm sorry, we dude. Are, we are men. It was Playboy. What do you want me to do? <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, I obviously had the uh, the pleasure of interviewing Sam at the um, last uh, earlier in the year when we were at the Sci-Fi Weekender in Wales. Um, so, anyway, I've been, I've been reading her book, uh, Zombies in New York, which is a short story collection. Very cool. Um, and it's uh, the way she's got it set up is pretty cool. She's actually got a recurring character uh, named Lucrezia, who's actually a vampire. And about half of the stories in the book uh, either revolve around her or uh, characters that have something to do with her. The story there were a couple of stories that were real standouts for me. By the way, she's an incredibly good writer. Um, I would say that the standouts, in my opinion, were the actually the title uh, story, Zombies in New York. I have not felt a sense of dread while reading a, a story that much since I read the story that Stephen King wrote. This was something that he wrote under a pseudonym. It was called The Long Walk. Uh, you familiar with that one, Brian? That was It was one of the ones he wrote uh, not under his own name. No, I'm not. Uh, but you have heard. I'm, I'll bet. You, I'm guessing you've heard of the Running Man. Yes. Okay. So these these are some stories that apparently he was putting too much material out. So he was kind of like, as has come up in the press lately, the polar opposite of George R. R. Martin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as, far, yeah. as far as writing speed and things like that. So he'd come out with a with a number of books that he wrote under a pseudonym. This one that I'm referring to is called The Long Walk, and it was. Um, Basically about, it's in the, you know, as they say, the not-too-distant future. And it was a group of boys, probably preteen age boys, that were in a, um, they were chosen out of their uh, village or their, uh, I guess, their city to represent their people in this competition called the Long Walk. And what they had to do was basically just walk until they either passed out or couldn't walk any longer. And the ones that passed out, they would be executed. So you'd have only one survivor at the end. But I remember reading that and literally crying at the end because that I had sounds awful. such a sense of hopelessness. Well, this story, Zombies in New York, gave me a lot of the same feelings. Yeah? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a zombie story, but it's, it's definitely with a twist. It's told from the perspective of a, of a young man that, I, I don't want to give too much away in case people want to go read it, but. Um, he does work with Lucrezia. It's not a story directly about her. It's one of those stories that you kind of think you know what's coming. And we're so used to these zombie survivor stories like The Walking Dead, where the people that we're following are survivors or they don't have too much to worry about as far as being infected and stuff like that. So the ending kind of really, you know, ripped my heart out. But the lead up was uh, it was pretty, pretty fucking dreadful. <laughs> Quite it, frankly, an incredibly depressing read, yeah. which I which I really like to immerse myself into from time to time. A novel or a uh, short story? It's a short story. It's not okay. even a novella. It was probably maybe 20, 22 pages, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah definitely worth reading. Definitely gave you that feeling. Um, so, uh, you know, you get out of the stories that, that revolve around her. Um, and there were two, two others that, that I really thought were cool. One was called Tar and one was called Red. And these were basically about a couple of uh, werewolves that she uh, met up with in, in different ways. After that, you start getting into her short stories that had nothing to do with the recurring character. <laughs> there was one called Clown Addict. And this is one of those... I mean, it was it was very, very 
guilty uh, humor. The the murders in it were incredibly sickening and gross, and the the ways that they that that some of these murders were done were just uh, really really evil. But you couldn't stop tittering the whole time you were reading it. It was just hilarious because it was happening to clowns, and it was kind of like the pie in the face way uh, of killing people off. Hey, you're killing clowns. <laughs> so, I'm happy. It's kind of hard to describe. You really have to read it, but it's the uh, opposite of what normally happens. <laughs> maybe maybe it's just the way that my mind works. But I laughed my ass off while I was reading it. And another one that really stood out was a story called Immortal Monster, which, I, considering that uh, that this particular author is is from Britain, I thought she did a really good job of capturing uh, sort of an American style of writing, particularly a. 1920s or 1930s golden age of Hollywood style. So anyway, those those were the stories that really stuck, you know, stood out for me. But I I enjoyed the book a great deal. That sounds sounds pretty worth uh pretty worth reading. I'm definitely gonna check it out. All right, as with every show, it's time to take a little trip to the trailer park. We take a look at the big, the small, and sometimes the very very weird. Brian, what's our first new trailer to talk about this week? First one we're going to talk about is Summer Camp. I saw it, but I'm not sure what it was about too much. Uh, Philip, you enjoyed it quite a bit. You said it had an Evil Dead vibe, in your opinion. Oh yeah, that one. That was uh, that's what it reminded me of, like a a, a new version of the Evil Dead. Didn't excite me too much, uh, Brian. What did you think? I'm um, watching the trailer. I was trying to figure. It, it gave me a. Like I've seen something like this before, and then it popped up. Producer of, uh, um, have you guys ever seen Wreck? Uh, yes, I've never seen it. Yeah, R E C. Yeah, there was a an American remake. Uh, what was it called? Quarantine. Quarantine. That's correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen yeah that. you might have seen that one. Yeah. Yeah, it gave me uh, similar vibes to that one. Right. I wasn't sure where the summer camp was. In the movie, Not really sure, man. I mean, it, yeah. it looked well, like it was just kind of making fun of eighty slasher movies to me. In the yeah, a little bit, obviously. I mean, it you never can really get a whole lot from the trailer, and I don't think right. that, I don't think that the trailer you know did a good job of of showing what this movie is or isn't. But yeah, there was just the Evil Dead was kind of the vibe that I got from it. Right. Like yeah. it could have been a trailer for the Evil Dead. Yeah, and that's uh, other producers involved was also in. Uh, from The Conjuring and Annabelle. Okay. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on in this movie, but... Could be good, could be bad. Summer Camp yeah. is kind of a generic name, so right. it's not like they've got that going for them. And I'm going to say the Evil Dead trailer definitely got it, gave it some buzz going. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when it did come out, because I thought the trailer was awesome uh, for the newer version. Um, I... Eh, I don't. I don't know what to think about this one. Yeah, this had uh, came out in a limited release in March, so um, not sure if it's going to get a wide release or straight oh, it's already... to. It's already out. Well, well, I don't know. We're on. We're on the IMDb page right now, Brian, and it says uh, 2015. So, and then, but then it says it's limited June, release in March. Yeah, June 10th, 2016, in Spain, and it looks like most of these filmmakers were Spanish. I think the oh, rec films European were Spanish, thing. correct? Okay. Yes, it was. Okay. I remember. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm reserving judgment, guys. Jury's out for me. I, I need to see more than just this two minutes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to agree. All right. 
Okay, our next one we're going to talk about is a new Netflix show called Stranger Things. Very strange trailer. <laughs> oh, that was the one with uh, uh, Winona Ryder, right? That's yes. the one. That's the that's one. the one. Okay, that's the one I thought I was looking at last week. Yep, uh, it looks interesting. I, you know, Netflix has has come out with some pretty good stuff, man. It's it's kind of hard to go wrong yep. with it at this point. It almost is on the level of HBO. I, I I totally agree. Except that you can watch the whole freaking season at once. Yeah, just just on that, you know, the the past shows they've had on Netflix, um, I'm definitely gonna give it a try. Yeah. Okay. And I kind of got uh, I got a um a Super Eight feeling from this show. Yeah. Okay. You guys ever watched Super Eight? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And uh, it's good to see Winona Ryder doing movie or uh, doing show doing something. You know, I haven't seen her. In all <laughs> yeah, that, we were, doing talk, we were talking about that, man. You know, she's I, I I put her on the same level as Drew Barrymore because she gets a lot of 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 buzz, and I've never really been like a huge fan. You know, I mean, she does all right, right but uh, I've never understood the amount of uh, praise that she typically will get. And I, I, same thing for Drew Barrymore. I just I like Winona Ryder in these type of shows or movies because I I kind of feel like. She kind of has a little creepiness to her. Yeah, she definitely does. I Beetlejuice. Think, I think she does in real life too. Beetlejuice. Wasn't she, yeah. Beetlejuice is awesome. <laughs> Wasn't she the one that was caught for shoplifting or yeah. something weird like yep. that? Yeah, hiding stuff. Yep, that was her. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 definitely I'm definitely going to give this a watch. This comes out on Netflix uh, July fifteenth. Okay. All right. Looking forward to it, man. And our final trailer, which I'm probably going to say this wrong because I never knew how to say it. Is it Ouija or Ouija? Uh, I think it's pronounced Ouija or something like that. Right? I've always called it a Ouija board. Yeah, okay. I, when uh, I was growing up, they called it a Ouija board. But I thought okay, I, I think it's actually pronounced Ouija, but I guess it Ouija. doesn't matter. Okay, I'm going to go with Ouija. Right. Uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Yes, I really like this trailer, man. I did really you, enjoyed it. Did you by any chance see the first one? I specifically was told by many, many people to avoid it, and I did. And I, I followed the same route as you. I saw the first one, and it uh, that's that was the thing that threw me off, because this uh, this preview actually looks really good. And, and my first thought when I saw it was, man, that first one was not good enough to make a sequel out of. <laughs> but hey, you know we've been proven wrong many times yeah, it, before, right? Is this is this a Blumhouse release? Uh, man, I don't see how it how it cannot be. Because if it <laughs> is, know? if it is, hey, chances are chances are the first one was made for probably nothing and probably right? made millions of dollars. That makes yeah, sense. Exactly. I mean, look, hey, the, you know, there's a million horror movies out there, and most of them are really fucking bad. Right. All right. Uh. Ouija which which is, is why we do what we do. Yeah, the the original movie, the the Ouija, Ouija, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is uh it wasn't as bad as you may think it sounds. Uh it was I don't even want to really say it's worth watching because it's not it's not great. <laughs> Let me okay. ask you this, you know? Philip, is does it boil down to is it available on Netflix? <laughs> uh yeah. Don't 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 at all pay money for right. this. If it's if you see it on Netflix, then go ahead and watch it. You know, it's 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 worth it, but I'd put it in the B horror movie category. Okay. 
Okay, Definitely I got not worth it, making a remake or a, okay. a sequel. Okay, it it is a Blumhouse production. There okay. you go. And the first one, the budget was five million dollars, and it made a hundred and three million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you wow. know, it came out big in the theaters, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, okay, man. Well, there you have it. <laughs> off the heels of like paranormal activity <laughs> and stuff, so. Yeah. Well, I, I know it was PG-13, so that probably got more people in. It looks like this one uh, is going to be uh, PG-13 as well. This so. one looks way creepier. And Yeah, that, that little girl looks pretty fucking yeah. creepy. I'm like, gonna... Okay, so The Conjuring, I didn't think was that awesome of a movie, the first one. But The Conjuring mm-hmm. 2 is officially one of my favorite horror movies of all time now. And uh, I will totally watch this just based on that i think it probably shouldn't have been a sequel they probably should have made it a standalone movie but uh the concept is cool i like it yeah i'm definitely gonna check this one out yeah no doubt and and i'll tell you what i i have never seen a um i don't think i've ever seen a trailer where the beginning caught me like that caught me off guard yeah because i i was just okay so i'm in the movie and i'm watching the trailer and they're showing these two, you know, charlatans basically pretending to be psychics oh, and yeah. bilking people of their money. And it, sh- mm-hmm. and it kind of takes you backstage and shows you how the daughter's been incorporated into the family business, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of those movies. And then the next thing you know, it, it shit gets real. Yeah. And I really like the way they did that. And it looked, it looked to me like it's going to be, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie, guys. I really am. I mean, I... Every everything caught me. I love the setup. I love the time period. It looks like it takes place in the late '60s or early '70s. Yeah, uh, it looked like the costume design was great. The set design was great. Um, I love and like I said, I, I just love that setup. It just caught me and it uh, it speaks to me. So I'm this one. I'm going. I'm going out of my way to see. Well, the Ouija board is a is a kind of a creepy thing, and they they had a movie kind of like that with uh, Exorcism. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but they went like to Louisiana. And we're debunking this exorcism, and it turned out to be a real thing, and it was some cult deal, remember? Oh, uh, The Last Exorcism? That's the one. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I wish it was better. This one looks better than that one. Yeah. I really enjoyed too, that one. Yeah. I'm still, yeah, too bad the sequel wasn't as good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one I avoided, guys. Same wait, wait, wait. Thing. People was told that me the, not to see Was it. that the exorcism of Molly Hartley? No. Uh... <laughs> I think it, it had a, last it had a stupid, yeah, the last exorcism too, which kind of defeats the purpose of the last exorcism. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was not good. So I've been told. So I've been told. But this movie is due out in October, uh, I believe, uh, October twenty first. Uh, there wasn't much in the in horror as far as news, um, so we're gonna go a little bit different route here. Uh, Mark Hamill just confirmed that Star Wars Episode Eight will wrap in July. All right. So, uh, do you? When do you guys expect us to get a trailer? Any day now. Don't care. I'll watch it when it comes out, man. I'm <laughs> stoked about that whole Star Wars series. I I really liked Episode Seven, and mm-hmm. uh, I really want to see what's the what's the new one? Rogue Rogue something. Yeah, Rogue. that's the one that's kind of a one-off, right? It's sort yeah, of it takes does it take place between films one and two, or or uh, I'm sorry, films four and five? Yeah, no, it's uh, no between between three and three and four. Yeah, ah, so, okay, that's so right. This was the, the this was like the heist movie about yes. stealing the, the Death Star plans. Oh, 
Ah, uh, yes. Definitely looking forward to that one. When the rebellion started, I, I suppose. But they said Star uh, Darth Vader's going to be in it, so I'm stoked about that. Which would make perfect sense that he yeah. would be, right? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of staying away from uh, any kind of news about uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. I don't want to be spoiled about anything. Yeah. You want to enjoy it the way it was meant to be. Yeah. I don't know. I try to read as much as I can about that stuff. <laughs> you're you're the totally, polar opposite. I'll totally huh? watch it. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to know what's going to happen in the movie before it comes out. But I'm going to see it right. probably opening night. So do you, do you think we'll get more Luke than we did in the oh, first yeah. one? I mean, you have to. He was yeah. He he ended in the first one, so he's got to be in the second one. Yeah, I, I read that he got just for that one scene. He got four million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and he and he See, deser- and he deserved every penny. That like I, I kept waiting for him to show up because I knew he was going to be in the movie, and right. like he wasn't in the poster and all that stuff. So I mean, which led to all kinds of speculations. But uh, uh, yeah, I, it, it kind of disappointed me that he wasn't in that one more, and I, I think that he definitely will be a main focus of this one. Yeah, I, I see this one as being uh, completely Luke centric. Yeah, and. You know, I'm quite sure that it's going to be one of these things where basically he's training uh, Ray similar to the way that he was trained in the in, in Chapter Five, right? And I imagine we'll find the origin to Ray. I would imagine that we will. Okay, moving on to our next one is about a show that I really didn't give a shit about that they're making a movie. Okay. Uh, Power Rangers. What? Oh, uh, uh, Brian Cranston. Yes, uh, that is why I'm intrigued in this movie. Brian Cranston is in the Power Rangers movie? Yeah, uh, also with Elizabeth Banks. What? Hadn't heard that one. That doesn't surprise me, though. Yeah, she is the villain in this movie. Jesus. How over the top can you get, man? Um, I was never a Power Rangers fan, man. That was... (laughs) My brother and sister loved it. They're right. young, they're slightly younger than me, and uh, and and they were they were big into the '90s stuff, man. And and I don't know, man. I I just didn't did the Power Rangers. I was more of a Voltron guy. Yeah, I, I never Power Rangers are rip off. I never got it. I tried to watch a couple of episodes, and I just never got it. But they are they are looking like they're going more serious with this movie. Oh come on, with Elizabeth Banks? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, have you seen the pictures of her in the in the outfit? No, but I'd yeah, be it, interested it, to see that. <laughs> yeah, not, uh, it doesn't look cartoony like Can I like put my the, bike in her like trunk. The... Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit more intrigued in the movie. I mean, I'm not going to go back and watch the show. <laughs> You're not going to go go binge every uh, episode from the from the first one, huh? Which one? They've yeah. got a thousand Jesus. different series of the show. I mean, my kid is watching the Dino Power Rangers or what the fuck ever right now. <laughs> yeah, but with, with these castings, uh, it's got me more intrigued. And they recently right. came out with pictures of, I guess they, they changed the their suits or whatever, and they look more kind of Iron Man-esque type huh. suits. Of course. Well, I don't know. It, I I think I might check this out. I don't know, but like I said, I'm not I'm not going to go rewatch any shows or anything. Right. We're looking at Elizabeth Banks right now as as the Power Rangers. Rita Rep- Rita Repulsa. Rita, that's <laughs> yeah. Hey, but she's hot. What are you going to do? Well, I disagree. No, <laughs> she's not my type. I really like Elizabeth Banks. I think she's fucking hilarious. 
But I can't I can't see that they're going super serious with Elizabeth Banks as the villain. You know what I mean? It all seems a bit silly to me. Yeah, guys. Well, it's Power Rangers. Right. Well, okay. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. We have uh, there is rumors. Anybody watch Agents of uh, Shield? Uh, saw the first episode. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Properly tuned out after that I was one. About out after that. There are rumors that Ghost Rider is going to be on the show. Mm, if it's as good as the movies, then they ought to <laughs> just expect to cancel that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like the Ghost Rider character from oh, the comics. Oh, me too. Ghost Rider is one of but, my favorites. Yeah, I is, mean, so, and I like Nicolas Cage. And man, oh, that movie. Was well, this, uh, so the two terrible. you like you like the two the two uh, alone, but the two just don't go together. Well, huh? Nicholas Cage is hit or miss, man. He's had right. some oh, real yeah. shithole movies, man. And sure, he has. At the top of the list are Ghost Rider one and two. <laughs> <laughs> you waste no time explaining that, do you? Yeah, they're, they're yeah, awful. I, and yeah, I, like I guess everything. There, I guess there was a uh, some sort of. Uh, train in san diego that had a uh, advertisement on it and i guess this got people believing that he's going to be on the show now that marvel has uh the rights back right okay nicholas so. cage as ghost rider no no that oh, was wow you really scared me there for yeah me. no nick you put nicholas cage and ghost rider together i'm not watching it at all no no they just they just got the rights back to the character not Okay. Reser- not reserving rights to have Nicolas Cage reprise the character. Right. I hope they reboot that movie. Um, th- there's rumors that it was uh, going to be a Netflix show. Oh, oh I'd watch okay. that. Because okay. they've also just recently uh, got the rights to Blade back. Right. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. A Blade Netflix show? I'd- yeah, I've heard, oh, I've heard, how, how I've heard rumors. How quick can we get that going? Wesley's put it out there that he's been in talks with them, so... Oh, Hopefully, soon. Is he coming back? Is, That's hard to believe. Old well, I know, I know. In the comic books, I know in the comic books, uh, it's his daughter that is uh, the main character now. Uh, he's kind okay. of more. See, he's more. He's kind of more of a mentor, right? So maybe, maybe he could play Whistler, huh? He might be a, yeah. of that age now. Yeah, I could see that. You gotta get a uh, like a, a Punisher. <laughs> And uh, Ghost Rider and Wolverine thing going, and Blade wouldn't that Hearts be wouldn't that be awesome? That if you if you have favorites. the right casting, that actually would be really good. Hell yeah! So you're referring to an actual uh, there was uh, a comic storyline. Yeah, there was a comic, and Wolverine was, uh, was in it. Wolverine, the Punisher, and uh, Ghost Rider. No kidding. Yeah, and so they what, were they what was were the they were fighting story? they were fighting Blackheart. And I mean, I don't know. It's been fucking fifteen twenty years since I messed with it, but it right. Was, it was a uh, it was it was a cool storyline, and those are probably three of my favorite Marvel characters. Wow, that sounds like a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool meeting of the minds there. Hell yeah, you don't get much more badass than that. No shit. Okay, Brian, our... Brian, did you know that was a thing? Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard about it. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. That that was yeah, a good I... one to put to the screen. Yeah, I I think it would work better as a Netflix show blade popping up i don't i don't sure. necessarily think he would fit in with the movies yeah yeah it's I, brian i think you're onto something man if there's a if there's a current uh comic story about him having a daughter then i'm sure that's the way they're gonna go yeah hey layla ali i don't know how well she can act but <laughs> we'll find out and uh one more news item uh are you guys a fan of the underworld franchise 
Yeah, of course. Not at all. No? Not at all. Oh, not, man. Not even, not even remotely. You're fucking fired, So you dude. guys talk, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll <laughs> hang out over here. Uh, the fifth one was originally supposed to come out in October and has now been pushed back uh, till January of next year. Okay. I don't so, know if we were talking about another movie, actually. Yeah, uh, Kate Beckinsale's back. Right, dude. Kate Beckinsale. Man, that girl is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she's, I don't know how old she is, but she's got to be older for one of the really amazing chicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got nothing wrong with her looks at all. I mean, she's a sexy lady, but uh, I just didn't care for the films at all. No? Yeah. I liked them. That's just me. I mean, I didn't I didn't care for the third one, which was a prequel. Yeah, they right? they started to get a little ridiculous after a while, you know? I mean, but you you got to watch it for what it is. It's an action flick. You know? Yeah, it's I, I I put it in the same vein as like the Resident Evil movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not great movies, but you know they're they're kind of fun to watch. Right, there definitely fun to watch. And um, that is pretty much all the news I have for this week. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, so as I alluded to earlier, folks, this is uh, a little bit of a different show tonight. We're not doing our normal uh, two reviews as we typically do. We're actually um, focusing on a very special interview that we have with uh, horror author Sam Stone. And we are going to play that. And after that, we are coming back to each of us discuss our top five book-to-movie translations. So basically, any movie that is based on a book, a novella, or a short story is fair game. And we're going to do kind of a countdown and sort of do a roundtable and uh, count down from five to one. But without any further ado, uh, here is uh, the chance that I got to meet up with Sam Stone at the Sci-Fi Weekender in Wales. Okay, this is Lance at the Sci-Fi Weekender in Pefele, Wales, and I have with me Sam Stone. She's a writer of horror, gothic horror, and also some uh, erotica, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, some of my stuff <laughs> is a little bit erotic sometimes, Lance, yes. Okay, Sam, I understand that you began writing when you were quite young. Was horror always your first love, or did you see yourself possibly going in a different direction? And who are some of your earliest influences? It's really, it's really interesting you asked me that. Um, I started at the age of 11 um, putting pen to paper because I read the, the thriller um, The Collector, which was by John Fowles, and it was my first adult book that I'd ever, ever read. So it was more of a thriller, but it was a horror in certain ways, psychological thriller. And after that, I um, discovered the likes of Stephen King and Dean Kearns, um, I absolutely loved Hammer horror movies. I don't know if you've seen any. I'm sure you've seen those. Oh, of course. Dracula, probably my first love. Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> hence, a lot, a hence lot of the British classics. Absolutely brilliant. And I, I used to stay up late at sort of 12 years old with my sister. We used to stay up late when mum and dad had gone to bed. We'd sneak down and watch all the <laughs> Hammer horror movies. Oh, that sounds when, familiar. When they weren't around and I couldn't stop us really. And. Um, and so it was. It was that, and and it obviously influences wise, it led me on to Anne Rice when I was sort of eighteen. I discovered Interview, um, and absolutely thought it was the best book I'd ever read at that time because it it's, it showed vampires in a very different light. Um, and but I actually did read a lot of historical romance too growing up, so I was quite an eclectic reader. So I used to read horror, I used to read some fantasy, and I I certainly did read a lot of historicals. 
and so I, I was influenced by all of that in a strangely and I think it comes out quite a lot in my work because I do write, like to write a lot of history in my work great very well-rounded reader yeah. okay from the time you began writing how long did it take for your first novel to be published well um, I wrote my very first novel when I was in my early 20s but it wasn't very good I'll be honest with you um, and then I didn't do anything for a few years because I had my daughter had a baby and then I went to university um, as, a, as a mature student um, and did my degree in English and writing for performance so I thought I was going to go into screenwriting at that point Really? yeah and then I, I ended up being a high school teacher and teaching English and drama instead for, um, but during that time I did my master's degree in, in my master's degree in creative writing okay. and I did I specialised in prose and I wrote my first novel Killing Kiss for that and I ended up self-publishing it, which I still think I, I don't recommend self-publishing to anyone. I think it was a real mistake. But it did go on to win the Silver Award for Best Horror Novel with Forward magazine over in, in um, lovely USA. And hasn't Killer Kiss turned into a series of other novels as well? Yes, it has. Killing Kiss is now the Vampire Gene series. And I'm on book six. I'm writing book six currently, which is called Jaded Jewel. And they're kind of thrillers now. They're vampire thrillers with, with um, time travel. Ah, great. Yeah. Long time travel's always good to spice it yeah, up. Yeah, right? I, like, I like to mix the genres quite a lot. I enjoy doing that. I think it's fun. So before you wrote that novel, had you written any short stories? And were they able to get published at all in any I, fashion? I had actually, yes. I'd, I'd done a few short stories and I'd done some poetry and they'd ended up in various anthologies along the way before I actually went and did my degree. And they were actually the path by which I ended up going on the degree because I was going to an adult an adult learning class, sort of a pleasure for writing. Okay. And the teacher said to me, you know, you've got real talent, you really should go and do a degree, it will give you a lot of confidence. And that was how I ended up going down the degree route in the first place. And as it happens, it was a, I felt it was a, a great thing to do because it did give me confidence and I, I think improved what I was doing, improved my writing, my understanding of what I was doing as well. And I understand that you still speak with students at certain times. Is that I true? do, yes. I'm always available to go and do lectures. I, I like doing um, workshops. I'm off to Bognor Regis in the UK um, very shortly, actually. In May and June, I'm doing two workshops. I'm doing one adult one and one teenage one uh, at a theatre called the Regis Centre, which is I'm looking forward to doing. And yes, and any any new universities that would like to have me over, I go and give talks and things about writing and publishing. So. Let's get it, though, so you continue to give back. Yeah, I love to do it. I, I think um, when you love what you're doing, it's it's a real privilege to share that with other people as well, right. you know, in the sense of, you know, showing how you could do it as well. If other people... There are so many people out there that are talented writers that want to, you know, want to do what I'm doing, right. or better, hopefully. And, I, and if I can encourage them in some way, oh, I, I do enjoy that. Where did you get your inspiration for the character Cat Lightfoot? Cat Lightfoot was a funny one. It was my husband David um, is a, a big source of inspiration to me, and he often comes out with ideas that spark a story or a novel. And in this particular case, he said to me, "We were we were hearing about Pride and Prejudice and zombies being around." Sure. And David said to me, "Oh God, you should do something like that, but you'd do it better because you'd write an original story." I said, "Of course I would. I don't want to, you know, take someone else's work and put zombies in it. That's just too easy." So he said to me, he "said Yeah." He said, "You should do something like." I don't know, like zombies at Tiffany's, and I went, oh, what, what? And that was it, and I wrote it in three weeks. Oh, <laughs> it was just 
fascinating. Well, that, that led to another question that I had. Uh, your short story collection, I believe, is called Zombies in New York? Yes, Zombies in New York and Other Bloody Jottings. And, and what's the what's the New York, uh, what's the reason for New York? Does that city yeah. hold some special meaning for you, or do you consider it very romantic? Um, it's very interesting. Um, I went to New York. I like to, at that particular stage in my writing career, I really like to write about places I visited. Right. And the story collection itself contains lots of stories about different places I visited, like um, in Los Angeles, La Brea Tar Pits, there's a story in there called Tar. And Zombies in New York came to me because, again, inspired by my husband, who is very good at this, we were He's on. Your muse. He is my muse, he is. We went to visit Long Island. Uh, we were over in um, New York, and I was actually up for these book awards again. Okay. And so we'd gone over there to attend the book fair. And so we had a day where we went sightseeing. We went on Staten Island Ferry. Uh, it was fabulous, but it was so colourful because people were colourful there and interesting. But while we were waiting for the ferry, I don't know if you know it, but there's um, a big sort of like glass door that comes down and blocks people from going onto the ferry till it's set. And then it comes up to let you on. Well, David said to me, wouldn't it be interesting if you were stood here and on the other side of that, there was a horde of zombies and you knew any minute that door was going to open. So you see, that's a great thought. isn't it? So that that's that's about the story, and so that just dated actually. For it might have been about twelve months before I actually wrote that story, but it just dated. And it's stuck in your mind. Yeah, and then it came out, and he and it was part of, became part of the collection, and we decided that that one would be the story we'd name the collection after because we thought it was so good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, have you considered working with anyone to translate your works to film or television? It seems that we're in a bit of a golden age of television with shows like Black Mirror, The Walking Dead, and The Strain. There's a real hunger for genre television these days. Absolutely, and I have got a full screenplay that I've written for Zombies at Tiffany's. Um, I'm working with my agent at the moment on lots of screenplays, and there are, shall we say, lots of things happening. But I can't say more than that. Can't say more than that. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. to, to be expected, but it sounds yeah. like you're opening the door. Definitely, because I have got um, my first degree is in screenwriting, so right. it's I not. An, it, to be honest, screenwriting is easier for me than novel writing, actually, because when you think that writing a novel, you have to fill in all the blanks. Whereas screen, you go, you can just give a sentence saying this should be seen. Right. And it's the other collaborators that will make that happen as part of the... It's a wonderful art to be in, isn't it? Well, I know you can't talk about the project, but do you plan to be involved in the screen... The, uh, obviously, you're doing the screenwriting portion. Definitely. Do you also plan to be involved on set in any capacity? Oh, I think I'm going to have to do a Stan Lee, don't you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to... If any of my work gets into film, and, it's and you know, it's all early days, but if it does, oh, yes, I've got to do a Stan Lee. <laughs> Well, we, we talked about the work you do with students. Other than that, are there are there any particular passions, particular social issue or cause that means a lot to you right now? And if so, how could our listeners get involved? Um, my friend Chase Masterson is very involved in the... Um, it's called the... Um, I'm trying to think of the name. It's a very long name, but if you Google it, and it's an anti-bullying coalition, and okay. it's, it's, it's to do with being a, a, your own hero and standing up for bullying and Chase is a wonderful ambassador for it and so this is a cause that is incredibly close to my heart because one she's my friend but I also think the issues of bullying don't just happen in schools they they happen in the horror industry in my industry for women are often bullied in this industry and I'm not talking about sexism I'm talking about you know um 
bullying it can be a, a man that's bullied it happens everywhere in every industry you are abused by other people because of jealousy and other issues and so it doesn't just it happens all over and unfortunately I have been on the receiving end of some of that in the past so I do think it's a really important issue so we can probably find that through Chase Masterson's website. And I know yes. a lot of our listeners yes. are familiar with Chase. Yes. All right, great. And final question, what's next for Sam Stone? And how can our listeners find your works in either book, audio, or ebook format? Right, well, they're in all of them. Um, we've got um, all of my Cat Lightfoot series are all on ebook. Um, we've got all of my books are in paperback still. Uh, Telus has done re editions now of the Vampire series. I'm currently doing book six, that's what I'm working on at the moment. Right. I've got a third book to write for my Jinx Chronicles trilogy. Um, the second book's written, we're just waiting for the artwork for that, and that should be available hopefully very soon because it's all ready to go um, and so the third book I've got to write and I'm also writing a stage play uh, really? this year which is going to be a thriller I've been doing some Sherlock Holmes stories I've written a new Sherlock Holmes story for Titan I did one for Mammoth Book of Horror Mammoth sorry Mammoth Book of Sherlock Holmes Abroad one of my Sherlock Holmes stories is in there as well I think I did and I'm doing some audios for Big Finish which should be uh, I can't say more than that but there is going to be hopefully something being announced for that soon so yeah right. lots of stuff in the pipeline and, and screenplays to write as well and you have a you have a website i do it's uh, www.sam-stone.com okay very good well sam thank you for your time we You're appreciate welcome. it the listeners do as well and thank we you for coming to see, to see me thank you thank you all right so we are back and that uh interview was a lot of fun i, I really enjoyed meeting up with sam and uh, Sam, we do appreciate you being on the show. Definitely look forward to keeping up with what you are writing. We will be posting uh, ways to get in touch with Sam and, and ways to uh, to purchase her books if you're inclined to do so. Yeah, uh, thank on you our, so much, on our Sam. Page. That, that was awesome. All right. So, uh, again, special, very special show tonight. We are going to each cover. This is our first in a series of, uh, of favorite films. These are going to focus on... Films based on books. So what we'll do is we're going to count down from our number five to our number one favorite. And as I said earlier, this can be based on either a novel, a short story, or a novella. So we'll get this, uh, get it started with Philip. Philip, what is your number five and why? Oh, we're going me first. Okay. I may have a couple of honorable mentions at the end of this because cool. I started looking up movies, you know, horror movies that were based on books, and I, I didn't realize some of them were. Right. Um, so, fair warning, I haven't read all of these books. <laughs> uh, but my number five is going to have to be American Psycho. Oh, I didn't even think yeah, about that one. Because that is a classic movie, man. Yes, it's, it's, yes. It's one of my favorites. It's, uh, uh, oh my God, I can't think of his name now. You're talking about the actor? Yeah. Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale in one of his first big roles. Man, he killed it. You know, Christian Bale's <laughs> no not... No pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> Christian Bale's not always my favorite dude. Um, he's got some weird roles out there, but the guy is a good actor, and and this proved it. And uh, if I remember right, he had to really fight for this role. I think it was up for somebody else. No kidding. And uh, and he 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 won it away from him. And I, yeah, I, I couldn't... I couldn't imagine anybody playing. What was the character? Patrick Bateman. Yeah. When I think about that character, that's that's who I think about is Christian Bale. Yeah, that's it. it made his career, I think. 
kind of makes me wonder, uh, kind of the show we talked about last week, guys, The Purge. I wonder if they weren't kind of visualizing him when they came up with some of these douchebag, you know, uh, entitled characters. Ah, well, no, because I think Christian Bale had a lot more substance, and the and the douchebag okay. characters in The Purge were just like I wanted to punch them in their eyeball. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you're right, man. Christian Bale, he. He sold it, dude. He, he he had me believing that he was ready to come and and uh, and and rip my heart out. Hell yeah, dude! Sociopath at mm-hmm. its finest. Right Absolutely, there. man. So yeah, there's there's no doubt that this uh, that this this film and the book were were, were obviously based on uh, not and I wouldn't even say loosely based on a lot of people that you see that kind of quote unquote make it to the top out there in the corporate world. Oh yeah. Very thinly veiled references Cause I've, there. Cuz I've known some uh, I've known some people might well I'm not going to go too much further after that because there's real people and they may or may not ever hear this. <laughs> that they would do they would do whatever it takes to get to the top, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. Murder murder definitely yep. being an option. Yep. Yeah, great choice, man. I didn't even think about that one. It's it's really hard. To, it was really hard to come up with this list, guys. I mean, let's you know, let's be honest. There have been so many great horror novels over the years and stories, and you know, obviously, you know, we we wouldn't be doing this show if we didn't you know love the books and the films. Um, my number five, I, I kind of went old school on, and I thought, you know, I I, I kind of thought about it because there were some newer ones that almost made it onto the list that, you know, might have been, as you would say, honorable mentions, Philip, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but I'm going to go back to good old-fashioned, uh, the original Frankenstein. Ah, uh, ba- Yeah, based on Mary Shelley's uh, novel. Yeah, definitely classic, says it all. I just think that they captured the uh, the emotion and they captured the dread. I really love the fact that it was in black and white. If it, The movie's obviously been redone many times. And absolutely no version whatsoever has held a candle to this original. What do you think, Brian? I agree. Uh, quick question. Uh, we recently talked about how Universal's revamping their, their classic monsters. Sure. Who would you cast as Frankenstein? Well, we kind of talked about that, remember? You said uh, The Rock more than Werewolf would no, be well, Frankenstein, right? I, no, I think I, I kind of went with The Rock more for the werewolf. Oh, did you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about The Rock playing the actual human version, if you if you know what I mean. Sure. But I could see him with the prosthetics and makeup as a werewolf. Oh, well, mm-hmm. yeah. But, I mean, you kind of have to cast him as the human version also if you're going to cast him as the, as the monster. So, I I think as a, as a big bad dude, man, I, 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 that was my first thought as Frankenstein when you said that. So okay. you're referring to uh, Brian? Let me, let me. I'll tell you what. Reiterate the question again, and let me ask you this: When you say um, who would we cast, do you mean as the monster, or do you mean as uh, as Doctor Frankenstein? As the monster. Oh yeah. Which is what I kind of figured that you meant for sure, because I mean that's okay. who we focus on. Um, Frankenstein. I re- <laughs> there you go. I really have to think about that, guys. I'm not going to come up with that tonight because. Uh, I just do not believe anyone, because there have been so many versions of it, and in my opinion, they've all failed miserably after well, the original. I mean, you got to have somebody that's gigantic, and, and and the only thing I can think of is a bunch of wrestlers, you know? Like, The Big Show would be a great Frankenstein. <laughs> Maybe The Undertaker? 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he kind of looks like he's wow. dead anyway, right? I love yeah. Undertaker, man. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Lance. Question. I'm sorry. I, I had no, to, no, I had no, to ask great, that question. It's a great question. I mean, can can you think of anybody besides you? You just mentioned the the Undertaker and passing, <laughs> but did you have no, anyone be, in mind? Because I kind of feel like the mountain. I mean, they have to be. They have to have that size, but they also have to act because I mm-hmm. think there's kind of a there's some right. emotional things going on in, in that story. Part with the him with the little girl when he meets the little girl by the um, yeah by the, the lake sure. yeah. And, you know, you can't just get some random big guy to, you know, try to play those emotions and, you know. Definitely comes to for mind sure. with that because that's, that's scary with the little girl, you know. I mean, because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't give you an answer, Brian. Uh, I wish I could, man. I, I I love this original movie so much, and it's one of those Halloween revisits a lot. I just think everything else has just come, just, just come criminally shy. So, uh, Brian, what was your number five? Uh, my number five was also American Psycho. Wow. Great mind. And um, I'm just going to, you know, we talked about it enough. I'm just going to, uh, throughout my list, I'm just going to give like a little, like little subtle differences throughout the, the between the book and the movie. Okay. Uh, one of the differences between the book is uh, it was a little bit more graphic than the movie. Yeah. To the to the point where they felt like this this was a, a unfilmable movie. Okay. Thought that was pretty interesting. Those are the ones that make the best movies. Yeah, so uh, that that is my number five. That's a good one, man. Number four, Philip. Uh, number four, I'm gonna go another classic monster, uh, Dracula. Oh, no yeah, kidding! Because uh, that's that's one that I actually Bram Stoker. You know, I've I've right. I have actually read the book and watched the movie, and uh, while it was a little slow moving, you know. For the time period that it came out, I was I was a little sure. younger. Man. So you're talking about the original? No, no, no. no, no. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula with okay. uh, Keanu Reeves in it. You know? Oh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, as Gary, Dracula. Gary Oldman as Dracula. That was a great movie. I thought that it was an amazing movie. I thought that it stuck really true to the book. Mm-hmm. And I was I was really impressed with it, and it definitely made an impression on me when I was a kid. You know? Yeah, that was a great movie. Other than uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, you mean the accent changing? Yeah. <laughs> I like Keanu, man. That was both. I, I love right? Keanu, too, but it was just, he he can't do accents. Right. Now, he can do accents. He can do Bill and Ted. <laughs> well, that, I think that I think that's how he actually talks, though. I know, right? That's why he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my uh, we're, we're getting a little bit more into rare air here. Um, my number four, guys, is... Uh, Based on uh, a Stephen King novel, Pet Cemetery. What'd you think, Brian? There's a lot of the, that movie. There's a lot of lot going on in that movie that that still kind of just is hard to watch. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the the scene the scene with the with the son when he gets hit by the semi. Sure. That 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 scene's still hard to watch for me. Yeah, and then when the creepy little shit comes back. Yeah. A lot of Stephen King stuff, man. Like I. Because Pet Cemetery always runs into Cujo for me, and uh, right. I used to have a, uh, a a giant fucking Rottweiler. It was, it was like 150 pounds. Great with the kids, man. <laughs> it was a cool. Yeah, dog. of course they. <laughs> well, the part uh, that I had trouble with with uh, Cujo specifically was in the film version. I thought they really copped out at the end of it because the uh, the book didn't have quite that bright of an ending. Yeah. Yeah, and there was another Stephen King. Um, 
well, it was, I guess, a novella that was translated to a film called The Mist. Mm-hmm. That one went the exact opposite way. The oh, uh, the yeah. yeah, the novella actually had a more of a bright ending than the movie did. Yeah. And we're actually going to be reviewing that one next week. The Mist? Uh, yeah, we are. Okay. So, uh, and yeah, you see uh, what I mean when, you, when, when we talk about it. Uh, yeah, didn't Stephen King said he he had wished he wrote that ending? Absolutely, he sure did, man. Oh, wow. That was an actual quote from huh, Stephen King. Nice. But I thought, I mean, I, 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 obviously almost every Stephen King novel has right. been translated to a film. Many of his short stories have. I just thought Pet Cemetery kind of hit, hit the nail right on the head. It, as far as the translation, I thought it was pretty much lockstep with, with the book. At least I got the same exact emotions reading the book that I got watching the film. Definitely classic, man. Uh, Brian, uh, number four? No, my number four is Stephen King's It. Oh, ah, nice. okay. That's one of my honorable mentions. All right. And my main difference from the book and the movie that they absolutely could not have in the movie was in the book, the kids actually have sex with each other. Oh. Well, uh, I think that they could now. You know, so but you think maybe in the new film that'll uh, be in there? Maybe because I mean, when when it came out, you know, it was a TV movie. Ah, it was. It was made yeah. for TV, right? Yeah. Yeah, but do you think they'll really go there with with the ages that they were? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a kind of because it's kind I've, of I've seen, age thing, you know. No pun I've intended. Seen, yeah, I've seen pictures of the of Coming the cast age? of the kids, and they're they're pretty young. Right. So. Well, I mean, you know, that's a that's a that's a part of life, and there's a lot of like coming of age stuff that that happens when you're a teenager, you know. And uh, that's, I think that yeah, they absolutely will tackle that, you know. If if nothing else, well, just to make it different from the uh, original. I guess it remains to be seen. And uh, of course, Tim Curry was fantastic as right. Pennywise. No, nobody would deny that. We've we've had talks before, guys, about. Uh... You know who was going to fill those clown shoes, huh? dude? No joke. The first half of it is probably the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Agreed, totally. Yeah, good choice, man. Very well done, yeah. and, and actually a TV mini series, which is other TV mini series, uh, The Stand, which is actually yes. my favorite Stephen King novel of all time. I've read numerous times. Um, I just did not think that the ending of it held up to what I was expecting from what I read in the book, The Langoliers. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about yeah. that one. <laughs> but, all right. Okay, uh, moving on to our number three. Number three, I'm going to say uh, uh, a shout-out to uh, Anton Yelchin. Uh, Odd Thomas. Have you seen yes! that? Yes! Oh, Finally, yes. a Dean Koontz novel uh, that made a really good film, translated into a great film. Dude, I really loved that movie. I it did too, man. so quirky. And different man, I thought Anton Yelchin really killed it, and I, I wish that I had mentioned it the other day when you said, uh, you know, that he had passed away, and uh, and and this is to me one of his best, and it didn't get near enough credit, but it's on Netflix. Go watch it. I promise you won't be disappointed. Yes, man, th- this one flew completely under the radar. And one thing that I will say, I read a lot of Dean Koontz, and I have never, ever, ever seen any of his uh, books translated into a good film until I saw Odd Thomas. Yeah. I think they did a great job. Yeah. And I, I know that his uh, his girlfriend uh, in the movie did a really good job, too, and boy, yeah. was she cute. Yeah, definitely. That did not hurt at all, did it? 
What sucks to me is that they kind of left it open for a uh, sequel. Which obviously won't happen. Yeah, now now it can't happen. I mean, I guess it could, but it's not going to be Anton Yelchin, and I think that he did a really amazing job as that character. Well, for my number three, guys, I'm probably going to make... We're going to get a few laughs here, so get ready. Uh, Probably going to piss a few people off here, but I really, really like the Stephen King short story Trucks. But more than that... I loved Maximum Overdrive. Uh-huh. I fucking loved it. Everything about it, the cheesiness, the way it was over the top, the eighty, the ACDC soundtrack was phenomenal and went perfectly with the movie. Oh, uh, can't go wrong it with ACDC. It was definitely, uh, there's nobody would, would call Maximum Overdrive a masterpiece, but from the beginning where you have Stephen King playing a, a, a bumbling guy walking up to an ATM, and, and the ATM... <laughs> <laughs> Across the screen says, asshole, asshole, asshole. And he turns around and says, honey, this ATM just called me an asshole. You know, when I saw that, and it was probably like in the first three or four minutes of the film, I knew we were in for a treat. And I've always <laughs> loved Emilio Estevez. Everything he's been in, uh, from... Emilio! Have you you guys ever seen Repo Man? Yes. The, the punk movie from the 80s? I, I thought he he was great in that. Very, very underrated actor. Probably overshadowed by his brother a little bit, who turned out to be a complete waste of space uh, on the planet. Well, all right, yeah, we won't we won't I'll, go there. I'll put him on the same level. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'm being a bit judgmental, which I shouldn't do. But what a fun movie, guys. So, yeah, that's my number three. Uh, Brian, what about you? Okay, I'm also going to go a little bit different here. I know what you did last summer. Oh. What? This movie was... I watched this movie a lot when I was younger. This came out during the whole teenage slash, slasher craze. Yeah. Okay. And this movie was from an from a author named Lois uh, Duncan, I believe. Wow. And the book, yeah, you, the book came out in 1973. You are educating me, sir. Yeah. I and, had no uh, idea. Of course, I'm going to point out a little difference between the book and the movie. In the book, there is no fisherman with the hook. Hmm. Same premise though of uh, okay. them killing somebody and no and Jennifer to... Lopez or uh, what's what's her name Jennifer Love Hewitt's boobies. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that is my number three. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's pretty cool. You gave me some great trivia tonight, man. I appreciate that. Uh, so we're getting close to the top here, guys. Right. Okay. So we'll go number two. I'm gonna say Jaws. I uh, know we are. Oh yeah. That's already, right. Already reviewed it, but it's a classic. Okay. You know, you can't go wrong with Jaws. Oh, man. I cannot believe. Okay. So you guys have hit me with American Psycho and now Jaws, and these weren't even on my list. <laughs> really good. I don't think we need to say more about this. No, one, yeah. We? I mean, there's not a whole lot of reviewing it because we had a whole show about it, but uh, I think it definitely belongs on the list of top five, you know, movies that, or top five books that ended up as movies. All right, well, with my number two, I am going to go with the Clive Barker novella, The Hellbound Heart, and discuss the movie Hellraiser. Oh. The original Hellraiser. That was, I almost hit that one. That was, that was a beautiful yeah. film in every sense of the word. Yeah, that was a creepy-ass movie. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I, re- I remember being scared out of my wits, hell and yeah. also thinking how in the hell... Did they pull this off of making it look as gorgeous as it looked, considering the the debauchery and the uh, the evil things that were going on in this movie? So uh, that's my number two. What do you think, Brian? You like? Oh, I, I 
I would say I love the series, but all the way up until three is where I like them, and then it just drops way off. But I really enjoyed the first two. Yeah, Pinhead. I mean, classic character. Very classic character. Great, great villain, right? Clive Barker. Yeah, and that's that movie came out like in the same time period as the Freddies and the Jasons. Sure. And and Hellraiser was so much scarier than either one of those. So combined. different, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was the lament configuration. Boy, Hell <laughs> Hellraiser did it, man. That was demonic. Is right up my alley. And that that's that's super scary to me, and I was really impressed with it. Cool. So we're in agreement. That's a good one. Hell yeah. Yes. Okay. My number two. We're on number two. Yep. My number two is another one, uh, kind of a uh, left field. Here is uh, the ruins. Okay. Oh. You guys ever uh, check uh, the book or the movie out? I saw the movie. I did. Yeah, see, the movie. Yeah, I did see the movie. hadn't hadn't read the book though. The movie surprised me. Yeah. And I didn't, I, it was actually, the movie was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty, and um, not to give any spoilers away, but the book, the the ending of the book is a lot more depressing, if you can imagine, than the, how the movie ended. Okay. People go check that out. It's from an author named uh, Scott Smith. So now, did you read the book before you saw the movie? No, after. Oh, okay. And uh, Scott Smith only wrote, uh, as far as I know, one other novel, and... Uh, that was turned into a movie called A Simple Plan by Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, pretty, that is my... pretty small, low budget, independent movie. Yeah, I thought that movie was all right, man. It just, uh, yeah. it kind of got lost in the mix of, of horror movies, I think. And that is, uh, my number two. All right. All right. Numero uno, The Exorcist. <laughs> nice. 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 It's, it's nice. my number one horror movie of all time. Right. And, uh, I don't. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about it. It's uh, it's it's a masterpiece. It it indeed it is. Indeed it is. All right. So moving on to my number one, um, guys. I picked one that when I heard about who was going to be in this movie and the lead up, considering how much I love the the book and the series of books, um, there is no way in hell I would have thought I would be saying this is my favorite uh, translation ever. But it is actually. Interview with a Vampire. Mm. When I heard that uh, that Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise were going to be in this film, you could you could see my eyes rolling from a mile away. I was like, "There is no fucking way this thing is going to work." It's for the ladies. But the director <laughs> Jordan pulled it off big time. Uh, this was one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my life. It's a good movie. Um, a very, very young Kirsten Dunst playing Claudia. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. She really pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, uh, Antonio her... Banderas was extremely good in the movie. Um, I forgot he was I actually it. thought everybody in it was great. Yeah. And I thought they captured the essence of the book in a way that I was not expecting. But I would say more than anything, Mr. Tom Cruise just blew me away with his performance in this. He was Lestat. You know, the fact that he didn't have blonde hair or whatever. A lot of the time I might have seen this and thought, okay, there he is wearing a blonde wig. He looks like shit. Doesn't doesn't remind me of Lestat at all. That's not who I visualized when I read the books. But boy, did he pull it off. Did he ever prove me wrong? What did you guys think about it? I love that movie. Yeah, dude, it was was definitely amazing. We uh, When I was a kid, we had a uh, cat named Lestat. Really? (laughs) Yeah. My mom was a big fan of uh, of the whole Anne Rice series. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a good movie. I saw that at a very young age. 
Yeah, th- yeah. I think what got me more than anything, guys, is just I was just so blown away with his performance. I just was not expecting that, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I believe, uh, in my opinion, uh, besides Fargo, uh, this is Kristen Kirsten Dunst's uh, best role. Oh yeah. Because I pretty I much hate pretty... her and everything else. Yeah, I kind of uh, forgot Eternal, she was in that Eternal too. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. She was pretty good. In I that. really uh, love that movie. Uh, yeah. People hate it. Okay. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, cool. So, you doesn't sound like you guys are, are are too much in disagreement with me on this one. No, I'm gonna throw a couple of uh, honorable mentions out there. Um. After Brian does his number one. Oh, my bad, dude. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, uh, <laughs> this one will be real quick. We've already talked about it a little bit. Uh, Cujo. Cujo. Right. Yeah, between the book and the movie, when this, when I had seen this as a kid, uh, I kind of had a little bit of fear of dogs. Yeah. No, I <laughs> had I had to, because I wanted a Rottweiler so bad, and it was after I came back from uh, my deployment, and that was I wanted either a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd, and I really wanted a Rottweiler just because I wanted that big bad dog. I had a true fight with true, my wife to get it. She did not want it because of Cujo. <laughs> yeah, true true story. Around the time I seen this movie, I was actually bitten by a similar dog. Oh my god. And I I swore I was going to die. I would imagine they're 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 pretty vicious if they bite you. <laughs> yeah. They are currently working on a remake to this to this movie. So oh, okay. I'd watch that. Maybe it'll yeah. have the original ending. We'll see. Well, because Rottweilers now have a special place in my heart, man, because that is right? the best dog I've ever owned in my life. All right, that's a good one, man. So I, I, I didn't come up with any uh, uh, with any honorable mentions, but it sounds like Philip did. Uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to some stuff that I wanted to include, and then just didn't have them in my top five. I gotta go. Silence of the Lambs, which is a classic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean you can't go very wrong with good that. choice. Um, The Devil's Advocate, another Keanu Reeves. What? I like that dude, man. That was a good movie. Okay. Anyway, and uh, John Dies at the End, which is another yes! Netflix show. Yes, yeah, go really? check that one out, too. It's it's another, it's kind of in the vein of The Odd Thomas. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Quirky, weird, mm-hmm. horror comedy, and totally worth a watch. Cool. Good choice, man. Good choice. And it, I also... I also got a couple of honorable mentions. All right. Uh, one of them is uh, Misery. Oh, nice. Stephen King. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. Good pick. And uh, my second is uh, another one by Clive Barker, uh, Nightbreed, uh, based on the uh, the book uh, Cabal. Yes. Fantastic movie. I just watched it again a couple of months ago. Dude, I've never seen it. You've never seen Nightbreed? No, I need to watch it. Very good. They did keep the sex scene out, though. Did you notice that? Although I think there was a, a version that had that in it, wasn't there? Yeah, it, uh, recently uh, the blue on the Blu-ray is uh, supposed to be the original cut okay. of the movie. So makes sense. But I, I do believe that movie's on Netflix. Nice. So. I'm gonna go watch it. Cool. All right. Well, as always, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Horror Returns. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas. You can always reach us at thehorrorreturns at gmail.com. For up-to-the-minute news, reviews, and interviews, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash thehorrorreturns and follow us on Twitter at at horror underscore returns. You can find us on Podbean at thehorrorreturns.podbean.com. Also, look for us on iTunes, and if you like what you hear, 
please rate us and review us so we can get those numbers up and continue to bring you guys bigger and better stuff. Next week, we will be reviewing Collapse, directed by Jason Morris and also Stephen King's The Mist. So, until the horror returns again, good night.